You're listening to Wait On Purpose Podcast, the show for single women who want to overcome emotional discomfort with being single, understand the fear of being alone, and transform it to self-love while celebrating this season with joy, purpose, and passion. Each week, we'll explore topics on how to optimize your season of singleness and become who you want to attract. Now, here's your host, Tracy Noel, the introverted empath. Welcome back to another episode of Wait on Purpose. I am your host, Tracy, and thank you for stopping by. So you know I created this podcast, FUBU. Yeah, I brought that back for us, by us. And us, I mean single women, right? Single women who are overcoming emotional discomfort with being single single women who are understanding our fear of being alone we are transforming it to self-love we are celebrating our season of singleness with joy purpose and passion and we are growing we are healing we are breaking soul ties we are becoming who we want to attract and not just in a man but in friends, right, and business partners, in life. We want to become who we want to attract in life. And so I have a treat for you guys today. As I stated before, I really wanted this podcast to be more than just what I've learned and what I'm going through or my little perspectives, all my little isms of thinking I know everything um, that would be extremely boring I'm not that exciting so although I have learned so many things from my experiences and just how I show up in this world I have learned so much from other people and their perspectives and how they show up in the world so I've connected with some amazing powerhouses, some amazing people who are single, right? Who are um, optimizing their season of singleness and who are just building legacies, powerful legacies in this world. I wouldn't say that I saved the best for last, but look if the shoe fits wear it because this woman is dope and I really enjoyed our connection Um, I have I think she has a very powerful voice and uh, a powerful story as well as just making boss moves out here and so Innocent Saunders is a native of Brooklyn New York or matter of fact I have to say Brooklyn New York to put that accent in there but she currently lives in phoenix arizona she is the founder of groundwork for change llc which is a non-profit consulting practice and she also enjoys helping non-profit leaders start grow and scale their organization through groundwork for change she's a lover of the written word She's also the author of From Pain to Praise, the Prose and Poems of a Daughter in Process, which is a personal anthology of poems, stories, and journal entries published in 2015. She has a heart for God, and she enjoys discipling young adults, particularly young women who are often drawn to her approachable nature. These days, Anderson is working on her next book. She's continuing to build her business and is always looking for opportunities to be a light in a dark world. So please help me welcome Mrs. Innocent Saunders. Hey, love, how are you? I'm well, thank you, and thank you for having me. It's an honor. Thank you again for sharing this space with me. And so one thing that I like to ask all of my guests to share before we start is one thing that they are celebrating or proud of at this moment in life. So, Innocent, what are you celebrating today? 
Mm, huh. Interesting you asked that question. Today <laughs> I am celebrating in my own way um, my resignation from my full-time job um, in order to focus more on my business. <laughs> wow. How long has it been since you've been, or how long has it, you know, what made you decide to do that today after so many years? Yeah. So um, the the position I would I I literally just submitted my letter of resignation for um, today. I've been there about fourteen fifteen months. Um, matter of fact, almost almost sixteen months now. Um, but sometimes you know you give it a, a try and you try something different and you find um, that it's not a good fit. Um, and so I had been feeling that early on at the position, but I said you know I wanted to give it a true chance. Um, and so I decided to stick it out um, and, you know, really give it that honest, true chance. So a true, true chance, excuse me. So I said maybe a year in, um, maybe, you know, first it was six months, then it was a year. And then uh, finally I said, you know, it, it, I can say I tried <laughs> and it's not for me. So um, today just happened to be the day that I literally submitted that letter and had that discussion with my boss. Okay. Well, that's cool. That's bold. And so I guess my question is, before you started this position, were you already an entrepreneur and self-employed and you just kind of happened to try to get back in corporate or is this something yeah. that you've just decided? So I actually started my consulting business in 2016 informally and then formalized it in 2017. And back in 2016, it was spawned by walking away from um, a different job yeah. um, where I had been for four years at that time. And, and just again, just all the signals saying it was time for change, you know, no regrets about it. Um, but so, yeah, before uh, this current position that I am uh, walking away from now or resigning from now, I had been consulting for about two years and um, taking on uh, different opportunities here and there. So every, every, most folks know that it takes time to build any type of business. Um, and while trying to build my consulting clientele and really gain some traction, um, I had other opportunities present themselves to me that allowed me to work either part-time or full-time before short-term projects. Um, and it was all work uh, that I'm grateful to God for that I really enjoyed and grew from. Yeah. Um, so here we go again, next time out the gate, uh, trying to put my all into consulting, but just being realistic, knowing that I have to pay bills. So um, I will likely have to take some, you know, projects here and there. Um, or even part-time jobs here and there to make ends meet. Awesome. Well, I'm rooting for you, and congratulations you. on this new season of your life. Um, and so, that. your name is Innocent. I'm. I really like your name. Is there like a story behind why your mother or your parents called you Innocent? Because it's not spelled the way Innocent is spelled. Right. It's so very unique. Um, I N A C E N T. So. What's the story behind that? Yes. Yeah, so um, like you mentioned, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. And in Brooklyn, there's a theater called the Billy Holiday Theater. It's a local community theater in Bed-Stuy. And uh, my family, we love community theater. We love theater in general. But while my mother was pregnant with me, she went to see a play at the Billy Holiday Theater. Um, and it was called Innocent Black and the Five Brothers. Yeah. Um, and Innocent Black in the play was a messenger from God sent to forewarn um, folks about things that were to come. And she was just so <laughs> enthralled with this character um, that she wanted to name me Innocent Black, but my grandmother said that was too militant. And so she went with naming me Innocent Joy. So my middle name is actually Joy, uh, but that's how I got my name. And that's the, even the spelling of it came directly from the play. I love that, okay. Cute. So, Innocent, you're the president of the Board of Seeds to Flowers. So can you tell us more about this organization, its mission, and your vision for it as the president? Sure. So um, as the, well, first of all, Seeds to Flowers is a young women's empowerment organization based in Brooklyn, New York. Um, it provides after-school programming and school day programming to um, teenage girls in schools in East New York and Brownsville. Mm -hmm. 
So I've been board of, a president of the board of Seize the Flowers um, since its inception three years ago, and it's been quite a journey. Um, I don't think I have any personal goals because it's not my baby, so to speak. It's not my my brainchild, the founder, Pamela uh, Jack- Jackson, now Pamela Andrews. Uh, she pours her heart and soul into Seeds the Flowers. And if I had to speak just from my own heart in terms of wanting to see it grow or my plans or vision for it is really just seeing this program um, scale and be offered in more schools and really have the impact that she desires it to have on young women from communities like uh, Brownsville, Brooklyn, and East New York, Brooklyn, which are some of the communities in uh, New York City, Brooklyn in particular, that have some of the uh, worst disparities of, you know, education, health, life outcomes, um, a number of issues across the board. They're wonderful places. I call them home. You know, those, that's my hometown. Um, but just on paper, the stats um, uh, don't look too good. So Pam's vision and my vision in supporting her is just really making sure that young women have what they need to be successful in life coming from those communities. Absolutely. And, and I totally think it's necessary. I know I was doing a little research on this organization, and I know one of the things that they teach these um, young girls is about identity mapping. So mm-hmm. what is that and why is it important? Because I think it's something that we all should be pretty much doing. Um, but what is that like specifically for those who may not know what identity mapping is? Sure. And and I think there may be, I'm pretty sure there are other ways to do this activity, but essentially what it is, is allowing the young women uh, the space, the time, um, and the ears, quite frankly, to share first with themselves on paper. So whether it's using magazine cutouts or arts and craft supplies, um, but they're to map all of the words that they think others think of them, whether that be parents, whether that be peers, whether that be teachers, um, and not just the things that they think others think of them, but maybe they've been told that they are by these other people. And then mapping the words and phrases and descriptors that they um, would label themselves, um, for lack of a better word, I don't like the word label. Um, But using that, those comparisons to really find out where your sense of identity comes from and how moving forward, if it's not been shaped um, in the best way, you absolutely have the power, no matter what age, no matter what stage of life, to change and really establish for yourself what your identity is. And that's so key, you know, as we know, most of us know as adults, um, it's hard <laughs> to accomplish or or be successful in life if you don't have first a firm foundation about who you are. Um, so identity mapping is an activity that helps them really sort through the mess, so to speak, that's been put upon them by others and decide for themselves who they are and how they want to show up in the world. That's powerful. And yeah, like you said, it's really hard to show up as your authentic self if you don't know who you are or you're trying to live in this image or this belief of what's been instilled to you by parents Mm -hmm. and teachers and even your experiences can sometimes mold your identity so oh yeah holy powerful activity especially for our youth so salute to pamela for stepping out Mm -hmm. and doing um amazing work in the communities so um renew today tell me more about that or tell us more about what renew today is Sure. So Renew Today is another um, nonprofit organization that I'm blessed to sit on the board for, the board of directors for. Um, and it, it essentially serves as a um, what we would call a social justice incubator. Um, it's one overarching organization that has multiple projects with different goals. So, for example, one of Renew Today's projects is a literacy project in which uh, the facilitators and leaders go into schools or youth settings. Right now, they are working in um, correctional facilities in Brooklyn, uh, New York. Coincidentally, a correctional facility, a youth correctional facility in Brownsville, Brooklyn. Um, 
allowing the youth to do some uh, literacy exercises that allow them to express their emotions, their thoughts, their feelings, et cetera, and, and in their own way, make it presentable for audiences to consume. Um, Another project that it incubates is uh, a project called We Deliver Period, which is a menstrual equity program um, that seeks to provide menstrual supplies for girls and women in countries and communities that may not have access to those things. Um, and then the last uh, project that it incubates for now, there, there, I'm sure there's going to be more, is a faith initiative called Brooklyn by Faith, which seeks to acknowledge and um, celebrate um, leaders in the Brooklyn community who all also identify as people of faith. Um, and so it does amazing work. Those are three very different kind of missions there, but um, the leaders of Renew Today, Amelia and her team, Philippe and um, Lisa, uh, they do wonderful work. They are committed. They are focused. They are driven. And I and my fellow board members are just happy to support them in any way we can. Awesome. And so, Innocent, you you are you're doing a lot okay you're pouring into so many people right how mm -hmm. do you pour into yourself how do you take mm -hmm. that time for self-care after pouring into so many people around you you know i think um that so there's a multitude of ways, right? And I don't think I have anything that I do consistently that I can say, this is how I do self-care for myself. You know, sometimes okay. self-care is making sure I cook for myself, right? Not eating mm -hmm. out, <laughs> not uh, going to restaurants or what have you, but cooking a home-cooked meal. Mm -hmm. um, in this season, um, self-care, since I knew that my resignation was, was coming up, <laughs> that this meeting I had today was coming up, I decided that while I'm in transition between job and my business and figuring out next steps, I wanted to have a personal goal to set for myself. So I actually last weekend started training for um, a 5K. Wow. Um, yeah. Now, see, the thing is, I like I like 5Ks. I like walking. So I have walked a few 5Ks. Uh -huh. um, but this time we're attempting, I and some friends were attempting to actually run <laughs> <laughs> the 5k so we intentionally uh started training this past weekend to get our stamina up um uh, to do that but but that's self-care for me in this season because it's something physical which i haven't had the opportunity to do very much of uh here in my new home of phoenix arizona um you know it'll take care of body and mind and like i said it's a personal goal i'm setting for myself i don't have a goal time uh, my goal is just to be able to jog this 5K successfully. Um, so self-care, I think, can look like a, a multitude of things, but that's what I'm doing for me in this season uh, to make sure I'm taking care of myself. Sounds good. Sounds good. Do you know what your love language is? Have you ever heard of Love Language by uh, Gary Chapman? Yes, I have. Um, and I always, since I, I never read the book thoroughly, <laughs> some people read the book and they memorize the, the um, languages. If you, I don't know if you have a list of them. I, um, I can't. Okay. If you could run them down, I can tell you which one I identify with the most. Yeah. So there's the act of service where you love people to express um, themselves doing action, right? So um let me do that for you it's like music to your ears right cleaning the house grocery shopping laundry that makes you feel okay. loved and appreciated um and that's when others serve you because they want to right now out of obligation mm -hmm. um then there's one that's called quality time so you like spending that quality time with people that undivided attention no phones you know no tvs just you know, mm -hmm. that one-on-one, -on -one, um, uninterrupted time together, then you have mm -hmm. um, words of affirmation. So um, that language pretty much expresses love using words that uplift and build a person up. So um, you are pretty much the person who likes to hear, you know, I love you, way to go. Mm -hmm. You love hearing those encouraging words. And you also do a lot of complimenting and encouraging words. And receiving gifts, um, which shouldn't be mistaken for materialism, 
um, but you love when people give you thought for thoughtful gifts, right? So when people are just hasty and thoughtless, it really hurts your feelings when it comes to giving you things. Um, And so you love to give, whether it's your energy, time, gifts, um, that's just your thing. And then the last one is physical touch, right? So you are, you're not very like touchy-feely, but you like the hugs, you like the pats on the back, you like, you know, the small gestures Mm. on the face and arm and walking and things of that nature which one yeah. do you think you identify so, with most based on that list I would definitely say words of affirmation okay. um nothing else <laughs> really appealed to me but for me words are really powerful uh-huh. um I I don't consider myself although I, I I am a good public speaker I I am pretty well at that um I, 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 I consider myself to be a quiet person. Mm. So the words you speak um, are very important and people don't even realize how heavily I weigh sometimes, you know, as an introvert, you can get in your own head mm-hmm. and kind of go down these rabbit holes. And um, I, I pay very close attention to the words that people say, because um, as we know, it reflects their character. Mm-hmm. Um so you don't ha- even have to say very much, but words are very important to me and think that they reflect your character. And um, when they're shared with sincerity, um, particularly in the ways that you mentioned, um, yes, they, they, that is one of my favorite things to be affirmed with words. Um, and it, it doesn't have to be, you know, lavishly poured out compliments, but for someone to take the time to stop and, and just affirm you. Um, is very powerful to me. And as you said, I I do catch myself um, using that as a form of love language as well with the people that I care about. So definitely words of affirmation. Cool. And I also identify with words of affirmation. We're both introverts. So everything Mm. that you said, I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm, yep, yep, yep. (laughs) But one thing that I discovered about the love languages is how – because when we say what type of love language um, we are, I think Gary intended for us to discover our partners or our children's love language so we can show them mm-hmm. how um, to love them or to show them love, how they receive it. But I discovered that um, depending on what your love language is, there's a way that you can show it. Um, through self-love and self-care. So for words of affirmation, it's more so you think self-love. So practicing daily affirmations and kind of posting them anywhere you will see them, Um, reciting those mantras that encourage self-love and compassion. Prayer is a way to show self-love, journaling, right? Um, Writing down your goals, those scriptures and things like that. are also ways that people who share that love language show themselves love. So I thought that was interesting. That's spot on. Yeah. <laughs> that's me. Cool. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> cool, cool. So what inspired you to write from pain to praise, prose mm-hmm. and poems of a daughter in process? So uh, from pain to praise is a collection of poems, and journal entries, like we just we were just <laughs> talking about, um, but poems and journal entries, and even a short story that I wrote. Um, I probably the earliest piece in there I probably wrote when I was about nineteen or twenty years old, oh, wow. um, all the way through to my early to mid thirties, um, and it really just I, I chose the pieces very purposefully um, to demonstrate exactly what the title says. Uh, It's the prose and poems of a daughter in process. And by daughter, I mean a daughter of God. Uh So the inspiration for the book was um, simply my obedience to God. I felt led to share my testimony in this way about where I had been and how I had come through with his help and, you know, the different pieces of life. Um, so that was the inspiration for it, but, but the pieces were chosen very purposely to reflect different elements of young adult, um, women's lives that I know I was not the only person to deal with. Um, and particularly, 
um, for young adult women who either are believers or who are maybe searching for the truth about God um, to let them know that nothing is linear. You know, yeah. it's, it's not like it's not like you're saved one one day and and you're perfect for the rest of your life. That's, right. that's a lie. <laughs> That's a lot. It's a journey. We're always in process. Even now, five years after I wrote the book, I'm still in process. So it's really about, um, like I said, the things I went through from early adolescence all the way through my adolescence, um, including my salvation experience where I met the Lord and he began to work on me and I allowed him to work on me and through me um, to, to come into my true identity in him and the purpose he has for my life. Now that's deep because I think one of the lines in the book that you use is a woman of God is still a woman. And so Mm -hmm. it does speak to, and even I think anybody in church or who identifies with any religion do Mm -hmm. feel like they have to come off as this perfect people and people are constantly judging you oh, okay so you say you this and you that but why are you doing this and why are you doing that and so mm-hmm. is that what that statement is a woman of God is still a woman we're still three-dimensional we still make mistakes we still fall short of the right. glory of God all of the above we, we still uh, I, I, it doesn't matter like you said what faith you practice we all have to walk this earth in these bodies that we've been given and experience life in this physical world so when i say a woman of god is still a woman although a woman of god quote unquote you know and that's a term that we made up also yes. <laughs> but even though a, a woman of god indicates she's a woman um, with some uh, uh, spiritual uh, grounding and, and spiritual um, backing and a foundation and a, perhaps even a very strong belief system, she is still a flesh and blood woman. Right. Um, and so there are emotions that come with that and experiences that come with that and relationships that come with that and choices that come with that and life that comes with that, that she's going to have to navigate as you said, regardless of uh, her her spiritual foundation, her spiritual backing, her spiritual core, right? Um, and it's about not making it so that the woman of God, quote unquote, that title or that moniker um, or that spirituality covers up the things that are going on in her life, but it it actually helps her live out that life story, helps her live out those choices, those experiences, and gives her the strength and the wisdom and the insight to do so, knowing that she has a God that loves her and that is on that journey with her. Um, so, yeah, I, I would think that's that's what I meant by that statement um, when I made it. And I really wanted young women to know, you know, it, you can you can come through it, right? I think okay. we have this um, sense of, you know, once you've done something, oh, God's done with me, I've got to, you know, certain religions even will make you feel like you got to go pray 20 times and dip in the pool and all of these rituals and things to get back in good, right, quote unquote, right standing with God. But um, the reality is he just said, repent, change your mind, come back to me, you know, do it a different way (laughs) next time. And, and, And you and me are good. Um, and I want them to know they don't have to live in that guilt and that shame that really the world makes them live in, not God. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's what that's about. I love that. And I think that's powerful because again, we do tend to put a lot of pressure on us because there is this sense of, I have to be this way. I can't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I have to live my life this way. And when we make mistakes, we try to hide it. And, you know, and so being able to know that regardless of my walk with God, I'm still going to make mistakes. I'm still going to fall short. Mm -hmm. And it's only teaching me and helping me to grow um, in the, you know, in the process. I think that's important for us to know, especially as women of God. I love that. I love it. I love it. So, Innocent, you are the founder of Groundwork for Change, LLC. 
And just tell me a little bit more about that. What is the vision and why did you create it? Like, what was your vision behind that? Mm -hmm. So Groundwork for Change, LLC, is a nonprofit consulting firm. Um, it was founded um, officially in 2017, unofficially in 2016, when I just started uh, taking some gigs here and there, um, dipping my toe in the consulting pool. But essentially, the, the point of it, um, and even my niche clientele, um, are nonprofit starters. Um, and really giving them the tools, the coaching, the training, uh, the facilitation um, to be able to build a nonprofit on a solid ground, so mm -hmm. to speak, um, because those are the organizations that I think, particularly grassroots organizations, uh, you know, people who come from the communities we want to serve and who have the experiences of the populations we want to impact, they have some of the best solutions for those issues and for those ills. However, they don't have the support. They don't have the money. Um, so I, I sometimes laugh and like, well, did I set myself up <laughs> not to be able to make <laughs> too much money with this if I know it's really going to be um, those folks who are just kind of finding their way. Yeah. Um, but the reality is that that's who I'd like to work with. I work with other folks as well, established nonprofit leaders, but my passion is really helping that um, burgeoning nonprofit founder find their way and really figure out how to launch their organizations um, with excellence um, and with some guidance. Yeah. Definitely that foundation. And so do you act as a fiscal sponsor for some of them or they already have their 501c3 and they're already established or do you help them also go through the articles of incorporation and, you know, getting the actual groundwork um, yeah. established so you go through the whole thing, okay. It's, it's the latter, yeah. Um, and honestly, um, the, the paperwork piece for me, like you talked about the business filings and the 501c3 application, those are important, but those are the lesser things. Mm. What I call building the foundation is actually your business plan, business, you know, right. your business model, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Um, nonprofit founders, you know, people who are interested in any type of human services work, really, their heart is, is, is in the mission. Um, but if you're starting a nonprofit organization, you are starting a business entity. And mm -hmm. so I really want to help them translate that passion for where their heart is, is aimed um, into a, a business plan. You know, before you go filing with your state as so-and-so incorporated, um, what's your business plan? How are you going to uh, provide the services? What staff do you need? Uh, what fundraising um, ideas are you going to execute to raise the money? Um, you know, all, the, all those types of things. The planning, I believe, is the firm foundation. Yeah. You can file the paperwork once that's figured out. That's true. And mm -hmm. to be honest with you, I, <laughs> I wanted to do a not-for-profit and initially I did not know anything about 501c3 I was just kind of doing what I was led to do um, with a ministry for women in homeless shelters especially single mothers and so mm. I would just do things just out of my pocket I wasn't really too much asking for help I you know whatever God gave me that's what I shared with these women and then someone like kind of planting the seed in my head like okay well why don't you, you know, do a non-for-profit and do this? And by the time I researched and, and figure out everything that I had to do, I was so <laughs> overwhelmed. I like, I'm like, uh-uh, this ain't for me. Let me stick to <laughs> what I know because it is overwhelming if you don't have the support, things mm -hmm. of that nature, the mission, the planning is so much that goes into that. Um, so you That's are true. extremely needed. <laughs> <laughs> but I totally abandoned the not-for-profit. I said, I'm just going to be a ministry and just do an outreach program that, that works for me. And then um, maybe in the future, I do want to revisit it and open a shelter. And I know that's mm -hmm. a, a 501 type of entity. So I know I will have to revisit it. And hopefully I can work with you to do that. 
Oh, I would welcome that. But but what you just said is so key, and I hope other uh, aspiring nonprofit founders really heard you because, you know, I joked a little bit earlier about whether or not I talk myself out of um, making money in my business because of the the stage of nonprofit um, leader I'm working with, but I have legitimately just had that conversation with people who wanted me to help them structure their nonprofit. Like, "Mm, do you really need to start a nonprofit to do that? Right. And and I think people get this sense that once you file that paperwork and have it, quote, unquote, official, it legitimizes you. But what legitimizes you is you being successful at your mission. And Tracy oh. coming out of her pocket to, to do what she was doing was successful um, and, and, and is successful. And until, like you said, you have the support and the, the structure in place to be able to say, all right, now it's time to form a nonprofit, you can literally, so many people I talk to, I'm like, you could do that as a volunteer. You don't have to start a business That's to true. do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope the folks heard you. Yeah. <laughs> and so I do want to ask you, what is one of the most common misconceptions about non-for-profits that you kind of get from mm. people? I think the most common is that that the non excuse me a nonprofit organization does not and cannot make money, um, which is a contradiction. Um, nonprofits actually uh, want to raise as much money as they can so that they can pour it into their mission. Um, the, so the term nonprofit, people think that you can't get paid by it. Um, and all of these things, but all it actually means is the government has, you've created this business that you said is going to do charitable work. Uh And when you apply for tax exempt status, you're asking the federal government to acknowledge that I am doing charitable work. Please do not tax (laughs) the money (laughs) that people give me. Um, And that's, you know, the, the, the simple way of saying it, but that's what it means to be tax exempt. You're exempt from paying taxes on the income you bring in. If you have a regular LLC and somebody pays you for your business, the government's going to look for taxes on that at the end of the year. Um, But if you have a nonprofit organization and people are donating money for your charitable cause, the government says, okay, we will not um, charge you tax on that money because it's going toward the charitable cause. So the term nonprofit simply means that the board of directors, like I mentioned, being on two boards of directors, uh-huh. um, they don't get to take that money and whatever's left over at the end of the year, divide it up amongst themselves. You know, major corporations do that. Businesses do that. The shareholders, the board, they can divide the profits at the end of the year. A nonprofit organization, whatever money is left over at the end of the year goes into next year's budget to continue doing your mission. Right. Um, so that's that's one of the main misconceptions that nonprofit means no profit. You can't get paid from it. That's not the truth. Yeah, and there's still taxes or tax return that you have to file as well, right? To kind of absolutely, yeah, there is a tax. Um, the tax return for a nonprofit organization is called a 990. So me, me and you and everybody else, we might fall, file what is it, 1040s or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, nonprofit organizations file a 990, so they still have to show the government okay. <laughs> all the money they got. It's a government, <laughs> but when boy, they turn they that always... in, yeah, they're like, leave them alone. They're nonprofit. <laughs> no. Okay, so the, it's it, it's so again, it's it's a lot that goes with it. So I think what you do is so necessary, especially for those who, who do, you know, they want a not-for-profit. They know the benefits mm-hmm. of it, grants, and you, you can kind of broaden your mission and reach more people um, mm-hmm. sometimes with that. So um, I, I really, really, really pray that um, your endeavors, you know, you're just coming in to um, self-employed again. So I, I really pray that that is uh, – prosperous for you and thank you takes you a long way so I'm going to just get a little bit personal and Mm -hmm. ask you what's one unique skill that you feel has contributed to your success because when I when I look at you I feel like you're you know you're successful Um, and so what do you think is a unique skill that has contributed to that? 
Okay. Well, first of all, praise God that you look at me and think I'm successful. <laughs> um, uh, a unique skill. Um, I don't know how unique it is, but I think I am, I, I am very good at listening. Um, listening and, and kind of setting the pace. I've heard other, and this, I don't even know if that second part is a, a skill, but absolutely listening and being able to empathize with folks and reflect back and be that sounding board. Um, I don't care what position I've held or whether you're talking about my board experience, my nine to five work experience, my business experience, um, my volunteerism, whatever it is, um, my ability to listen to people and be present with people, um, I think is a skill that has added to my success um, in the various arenas of life. Yeah, I think that is a unique skill, especially this day and age. People um, mm -hmm. more, more so want to just be understood instead of trying to understand. So I think when you listen, that's you saying, I'm trying to understand you. And I think yeah. that's unique because a lot of people just want you to, they, they just want to talk, right? They want to prove a point. They want to convince mm -hmm. you. They want to do this. So absolutely. Yep. Um, yeah. So what do you want your legacy to be? Mm. That's a good question. What do I want my legacy to be? Um, I think a life, uh, I think there's so many pieces. I'm sorry, I, I think I start everything, but I think. Um, <laughs> but for this one, for this one, it, there truly are so many pieces. And it's not because I want to do so much. Uh -huh. um, but when you talk about legacy, what you want to leave behind, uh -huh. um, I one of the things that's really important to me is um, just living a life well lived. Um, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I do have somewhat of an anxious personality, but as I step into my grown womanness and <laughs> the, the the stage of life that I'm in, just the boldness, um, even my ability to have today's conversation uh, about my resignation, I immediately at the end of the day text messaged my best friend in our little group chat. And I'm like, you know, I don't think my voice shook. I did not get emotional. I was not fearful. I was not worrisome. And, and those types of conversations, those things sometimes come up for me. And I was like, this is, this is growth. This is stability. This is yep. a certainty and an assurity yep. um, that I'm making the best move for my yep. life. And a big part of what I want my legacy to be is just a, a life well, a life lived, first of all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because as I approach this next um, portion of my life, <clears throat> I really um, want to once I go home, be able to say that I lived this life. Um, so a life lived, and but a life, a life well lived in yeah. terms of experiences, in terms of taking appropriate risks, um, in terms of trying my hand at different things, um, in, in terms of enjoying my um, singleness and maybe even one day enjoying um, married life or what have you, enjoying my God, enjoying my friends, um, just a life well lived, um, but in such a way that it's also a light for others. Um, not to be like me, but to live their lives also, uh -huh. particularly, as I mentioned, um, or you mentioned before, just my passion for young women. I think this world is a world that tells us there's so much we can't or shouldn't do. Um, not to get all women's lib, but it's the truth. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I really want my legacy to be one that um, I live the life well, um, and others will look at that and decide to live their lives well also. I love it. And I can tell you do live life passionately. Um, you know, not a lot of people are, um, you know, into the zodiac signs. But when I found out you are Sagittarius, right, like December yes <laughs> I'm like I knew she's a Sagittarius I don't know why I I'm, I just observe people and study people I'm a Sagittarius too but I just like I knew okay. she was a Sagittarius something about her something about her that's studious and passionate mm. and giving and um 
I don't know. We just, we just love to, to help people. And so I, I really kind of figured that you was a Sagittarius. So if, so do you have a, a idea of what your purpose is? I mean, um, yeah. I don't think we have like this grandiose purpose. I think it can be like little purposes, you know, within our lifetime, mm-hmm. but you have a, an idea of what yours is. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I do believe a big part of my purpose is exactly, um, as I just, just referenced in terms of being that light for mm-hmm. others, being that hope for people and helping them um, come to, uh, I don't want to say the epiphany, the, the realization of their identities, their true mm-hmm. identities. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that is the most powerful life one can live. Um, once you know who God is and who you are in him, there's nothing that you will let stop you from living that life. Um, and as I said, it's a process. You're not born knowing, but once you know, oh my goodness, I truly believe, and I'm believing this for myself also, the, the world will just open up and, and allow you to be you in all the beautifulness of who you were created to, to be for the purpose you were created to be. And for me, I believe that is helping people to come to their identities in Christ. And so how, how does one find it? Do you, like you say, you're not born with knowing your purpose. Do you feel like it's through your experiences? Do you feel like it's through your gifts and talents? Do you feel like it's through... Um, your passions like what do you how does one find their purpose I know there's not like a correct answer to this but how did you find yours I think it's a a multi-pronged approach and I keep going back to this whole process right Mm -hmm. um so definitely a part of it is um knowing your gifts and talents there are people unfortunately um in you know the 30s 40s 50s who are not clear about the things they were gifted to do mm-hmm. and unfortunately as for many of us may not have gotten to develop the things they were talented at mm-hmm. um you know i can sing i have a voice i have never taken serious voice lessons nor have i ever done anything outside um outside of like a, maybe a school choir um, or Christmas choir or something, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. I've never developed that talent. Um, but who's to, who's to say, who's to know if I developed my talents to their fullest, would they lend to my purpose? Hmm. Um, same for my gifting, uh, the things that you're gifted with that come naturally. I know my listening is tied up in my ability to help people, um, come to an understanding of their identities. Um, And, you know, even going back to our conversation about words of affirmation being my love language, my ability to listen is and observe is directly tied to my ability to reflect back to people who I see that they really and truly are and be able to tell them, well, you think you're A, B, and C, but I see you as D, E, and F or X, Y, and Z or what have you. Um, So knowing your gifts and talents is one thing, but then also knowing yourself. Um, which is not just your gifts and your talents. So knowing your own temperament, um, knowing when you're operating at your best, um, just to be a little more transparent, I wasn't going to share too much, but one of the reasons I, I, I was able to walk away from this job was because I came to an understanding and realization that who I am personality-wise just did not um, match up with some of the other personalities. So whereas I felt like some of my underperforming and, and it, mind you, in my eyes, it was underperforming. <laughs> um, right. So being my own critic, but okay. some of some of what I felt was a lack of achievement was not because I was a bad person or a bad performer. It's because the mix of personalities did not gel, um, did not match up, did not work well together. Um, not as people, but in our approach to the work. So knowing yourself in that way, your temperament, what sets you off, what, where, where, knowing when and how and where you're at your best and how you respond when you're at your best and how you respond when, when you're at your worst. All of that, I think, ties into um, parts of really operating in your purpose. But I think our purpose in life is often steeped in our creator. Um, okay. 
and and I know not everyone shares the same faith system, but if you do believe in God and you do believe that he created you, um, the Bible says he created you with a purpose, a plan and a purpose before you were even birthed out of your mother. Um, so by getting to know him, not just the rules in the book, Right. <laughs> that 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 we're told we're to follow, not just the commandments or the things that he says, do this, do that, but getting to know him and his character will help you reveal within yourself your own character um, because we were made in his likeness and image. Mm. So if you learn who your creator is, you'll learn and start to look for and find those same things in you. And once you do that, it sets you free to be able to do the things that he has for you to do your purpose with clarity and confidence because you know him, you know yourself, you know your gifting, and you're ready to operate. That's good. That is good. And I feel like I am almost there because, you know, I do feel like with when you find your purpose, there is this, like you said, sense of clarity. It seems like life just kind of flows, right? It's just mm-hmm. like a flow of life. And so I do still feel myself going up against, you know, some tides and stuff. So I know that I'm not there, but there's not as much resistance as it used to be. I, I kind of feel, mm-hmm. I still see, I, I'm starting to see signs and synchronicities and I'm starting to listen and be obedient to them. And I am seeing a little ease in my life, but um, yes. that's good. So it's cool. Cool. Okay. I love it. Yeah. So what do you think every single woman should have in her possession? I know this was something that I got from Maya Angelou and Mm -hmm. she was just, she made a whole poem about what every black woman should have or every woman should have. And I know one of the things is like, you know, a black lace bra so she can feel sexy or um, a toolbox, right? She should know Mm -hmm. uh, a flathead from a Phillips screwdriver. So what do you think every single woman should have in her possession and why? I think every single woman should have in her possession um, a sense of her own style. Mm. Um, And I feel like I've been asked this before, the sense of of your, and when I say the sense of her own style, again, the world will tell you how you should look and how you should act, what you should wear from makeup to hair, to clothes, to shoes, to undergarments to feminine products, right? Mm-hmm. Um, everything, I, I think there's nothing more important to me, and I don't want to exaggerate, but one of the most important things to me is being comfortable in your own skin. And I'll never forget, I had an older woman in my life, um, a coworker, who we were preparing to go on a job cruise, like a boat ride, not a cruise, a boat ride, three-hour boat ride around New York. And um, I asked, you know, well, what's the dress code? I had never done this with them before. What's the dress code? And she looked at me kind of confused. And she's like, oh, well, wear whatever makes you feel pretty. And that was one of the most liberating um, <laughs> comments I felt like I had ever received as a woman and I did receive that from her because from that moment forward I don't care what the dress code is where I'm going I'm not going to wear something so unconventional that um it's awkward but I'm going to make I'm going to wear something that I feel pretty in that I feel comfortable in um it will be appropriate but it, it, it has to be me um and so I think every woman needs to have her own sense of style. Find out what it is, and then do you. Do you. Don't let anyone else tell you otherwise, yeah. Absolutely. And so when was, and, and yeah, and that's good. I, I like that. Whatever makes you look pretty. I totally like that. <laughs> um, when, was the, when was the last time you cried? I'm about to about to get nosy <laughs> um the last time I cried couldn't have been that long ago because I'm a bucket of water um hmm. oh 
in a way, this is kind of good because I, I am such a bucket of water. For me not to remember the last time I cried might mean it has, it has been a while, which could be good. Um, if you wow. Yeah, if you, can, <laughs> if you can't remember, that's fine. I mean, but why do you say that that's good? Um, maybe just because it's been a while then, if I okay. can't remember, because I, okay. I make the joke, I'm a bucket of water. I can cry at the drop of a hat, you know, good commercial, good yeah, movie, whatever. Exactly. I, I can cry. And I'm not, it's not coming to my, my remembrance any particular time that I shed tears recently. Um, okay. So me having to search my memory means that it's been a while. So that, that could be a good thing. Okay. That's fair. Um, and so what, what did your last relationship teach you? Mm, what did my last relationship teach me? Um, hmm. That's a good one. Because <laughs> if we're, I'm a, I am a huge believer. I say it's a good one because I am a huge believer in, you know, it's, it's not a loss, it's a lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, ah, the big one, not to be so guarded. Um, <laughs> so my, I, I have a very, only very recently, I have begun to be more open in my um, dealings and even my um, willingness to entertain possibly mm. being in a relationship again. Yeah. Um, but my last relationship, uh, really taught me to let my guard down. Um, I didn't even realize how guarded I was until I had um, him and my supervisor. And I felt like I, I got it in prayer also, all in the same day, just in different ways, just put in my face how guarded I tend to be with people. Now, this was a few years back, so I had grown since then but still had not opened up to the possibility, possibility of other relationships. So there was some healing to do right. from my guardedness. How did I get that way? How far back did it go? When did it start? Was I always that way? Like I said, being an introvert, was I just naturally kind of, mm, but I wasn't. <laughs> so it, uh, that, that last relationship made me do some deep um, and over time, it wasn't quick at all, but some deep introspection, like, where did you get that from? Why are you so resistant? Why are you so hesitant? Um, when are you going to put that down <laughs> so that you can experience love um, again? And I, I kid you not, Tracy, it's very, very recent within the past, I want to say within the past four to five, even six months that um, I literally have been saying in my prayer, like, all right. I'm open. You you can send somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I'm open okay. again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Took a while to get there, and you know what's what's so what, what's so crazy about it. But when I reflect on what my past relationships taught me, and this really like made me cry. Like when I, because mm. you know I've been. I've been practicing celibacy for almost four years and I have been guarded my whole life and I, and I, and I am not taking them down. And I think that my mm. interpersonal relationships has suffered between family, coworkers. And so God is showing me in this season that in order for me to go to the level or the season or mm -hmm. where he want me to, um, or what he needs me at, I have to establish these interpersonal relationships. I have to trust people. But what I learned from my old relationships was, um, I never been in love, innocent. I've mm. never been in love or had a man like that safe healthy love and and that that made me feel so bad to know that i've never been in love or had wow. a man love me in a healthy way um from you know since my father died when i was three and so that was a, a wake-up call for me but it also mm -hmm. helped me to um search for what that is you know um observe men who who show authentic and healthy love to their mothers you know their wives and so I've I, mm -hmm. I I love seeing people in love because I'm like okay yeah that's 
what it looks like but it but that was just something that was eye opener for me that i that's something that my relationships taught me is what love is not mm-hmm. um, and so yeah that that's powerful too and yeah but like you said i'm open i'm like okay god i think i may be healed <laughs> i think i got rid of the soul ties um where he at so right and he'll he'll show you he'll, yeah, he'll, he'll show if, if you're not yet healed he's gentle enough and kind enough to say no you're not really ready handle nope. this over here mm-hmm. yeah yep. handle this over here mm-hmm. yeah yep, he sure is and you gotta listen to it you gotta trust it too yeah so, <laughs> so last question i really want to know is um who is god to you or uh what is god to you so God is um, the creator of heaven and earth. He is the, the, my personal creator. Um, he's my comforter. He's wisdom. He's strength. He's love. Um, and and I know these words may sound a little kind of, uh, I don't even know the word to describe it, but, but they are my experience of him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I referenced before just really knowing his character, and I can I can chuckle at it now. But when I first got saved, you know, reading the Bible, if you start from the beginning, the Old Testament, all I saw was wrath and people dying, <laughs> yeah. and all this, and 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 you know, it was like, well, what did I get myself into? Like, I had I had a per- I had a personal spiritual experience, so I knew he was real. Exactly, he is real, but. But reading that book, I was like, he don't sound like a nice person. So I went through um, a time really learning his character when he revealed himself as father. And I write about that in my book, when he revealed himself as my comforter, when he revealed himself as my wisdom. Um, and, And there's a whole other laundry list of words I could put out there and a whole other laundry list that I have yet to discuss about him but um you know I don't want to sound cliche and say he's my everything but man I tell you learning about him and who he really is really has helped establish me as the woman that I am today so awesome okay well thanks innocent for sharing that with us with me thank you and so this kind of I did too we have to do this (laughs) quite often um and so this kind of concludes our connection. Like I said, I just really wanted um, just to kind of connect with you, um, establish my interpersonal relationships, especially with women, um, mm-hmm. get that sisterhood going, but also learn about, you know, what you do, your not-for-profit consulting firm and things of that nature. So I appreciate you sharing that with me. Um, but where can we connect with you? Like. I know you have your um, business and you mm-hmm. help people. Um, how can we connect with you if we need your expertise or your services? Yeah, I think the best way for people to reach me right now is my website, groundworkforchange.com, www.groundworkforchange.com, all spelled out, um, or on Instagram at groundworkforchange. Um, or LinkedIn. You can follow me on LinkedIn. I'm about to ramp up my LinkedIn presence again. Um, it's uh, LinkedIn.com slash in slash innocent, um, which I think has a nice ring to it. Um, yeah. Those are the main places. I'm taking a little break from social media, but if you choose to follow me on Facebook, um, it, you can find me at uh, facebook.com backslash G4CLLC. That's G, the number four, the letter C, LLC. Um, but yeah, those are all the places I can be found. Cool. And I'll have that in the description of the podcast, but girl, I've been trying to take a break from social media, but I have like accounts. <laughs> No, I have accounts associated with my Facebook page. So, like, if I disconnect my Facebook page and I try to like log in to my mm-hmm. podcast or my or like my blog, I have to log in with my Facebook account. And so I'm like, okay, let me try to figure out how I can update this because I'm like, you Facebook. Yeah. Can get 
I'll give you a, a, a key, a possible key to that um, offline. Uh, it can be, it can be difficult, but I, I needed it. <laughs> I no, needed it, it bad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah. So the last thing I like to do just to kind of end this on, you know, a fun kind of tone or inspirational tone is um, something that I made up called uh, put inspiration on it. So I'll just kind of throw out a random word and I would love to hear um, maybe you share something inspiring or uplifting or empowering using that mm. word that we can leave our listeners with. Okay. Okay. Don't put me on the spot. Go ahead. <laughs> Your word is God. It's actually a good word. Okay. Um, so something inspirational. Well, he alone is inspirational. However, yes. um, I will say that God is a restorer. Um, I think we live in a world that is filled with people who feel broken, broken emotions, broken psyches, broken families, um, you know, broken hearts. Uh, but uh, the God I serve is a restorer. He restores all things. He is able to make all things new. So if it's broken, if we entrust it to him, and it's for our good, he can and will restore it. Yes. Thank you. And again, thank, thank you so you. much for connecting with me. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. You. And so there you have it. Thank you again for joining me for another episode of Wait on Purpose. And remember, the wait is on purpose. So I hope you use this season of singleness to heal, to grow, to strategically build your queendom, break those soul ties, and become the best version of who you are. So until the next time, I'm sending you love, peace, and light. Bye. Love this episode on Wait on Purpose? Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Until next time. See you.